Hello and welcome to Healthy Bites. Now, uh, you will have noticed that uh, we're focusing on nutrition and immune function, uh, and I wanted to revisit this with my guests, starting with uh, Carolyn Dean, also talking to Professor uh, Michael Gonzalez. Uh, we'll be also covering that with Professor Ian Brighthope. Um, and it's an important issue because we are still hearing so little about immune function. And of course, Dr. Richard Cheng. Now, Dr. Richard Cheng's uh, report was a really sobering one, where he pointed out to us that actually in America, they have launched a COVID uh, Consumer Protection Act. And of course, the, the, in America, fake news is uh, legendary. Um, half the country believed the uh, election that just was. Uh, was fake. So, you know, I guess we do need to protect ourselves from uh, that kind of uh, ideas and that flow-on effect uh, between fake news in the um, in the electoral sense can also filter into fake news in the um, immune function COVID sense. But one thing that is absolutely undeniable is that our immune system is our best protection against this and future pandemics. And there will be future pandemics. Richard points out that in the 200 years uh, of the 19th and 20th century, he counted uh, almost 100 pandemics, which he classified as killing over a 1,000 people. And in the 21st century, there have already been 60 of those. So um, how we define pandemics is another story. But suffice to say, this pandemic is a dress rehearsal for something that could be much worse. And when I say much worse, um, <clears throat> I think it's important to remember this. COVID-19 had a death rate of somewhere between 0.5 and 1%, meaning that between 90 and 99.5% of people who contracted the virus did not die. Uh, 0.5 to 1% did. SARS which is the COVID-1 in 2005, had a death rate on the average of 15%. And for people over 65, that death rate went up to 50%. That was SARS. Very different from the 0.5 to 1% death rate of the COVID. MERS, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, had a death rate of 30%. And H5N1 was even worse, 50 to 60%. And of course, Ebola, which killed between 22 and 88%, what a range, with an average of about 50%. So you can see 15%, 30%, 50 to 60% is very different from 0.5, half a percent to 1%. So what is the key in dealing with this virus and dealing with um, future uh, pandemics? And I'm most certainly not against the pharmaceutical approach. If you contract the disease, there are some, some medications and support that can help you. And certainly the vaccines seem to be offering a level of protection which will allow us to get back to normal. And I'm not anti-vax. But if the focus is on public health, then I would suggest that we should be engaging with all of those things. Everything that has the potential to improve immune function should be embraced and encouraged. And if you go out and get vaccinated, even better, because public health is number one. But that's simply not the case. 
Unfortunately, anybody, and we're not talking about a social influencer here, we're talking about a doctor with a PhD. I've spoken to Michael Gonzalves, who has two master's degrees and two PhDs and is a professor of public health and, 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 and nutrition. So these are not public, these are not social media influencers. These are qualified practitioners who are reminding us of something we, every health practitioner, learned at undergraduate level, and that is biochemistry. What keeps every cell in our body going? What keeps it healthy? And in order for those pathways, of which there are trillions going on every single second of your life in every single cell of your body, there are literally trillions of biochemical actions going on. They require cofactors or enzymes or vitamins and minerals to drive those functions normally. Professor Michael Gonzalez made the point that sugar competes with vitamin C for the on receptors of T cells and T cells are a really important part of our immune function. So the whole idea of requiring adequate levels adequate levels of vitamins and minerals, particularly if you've been a regular listener to this podcast of the fact that so many of the soils in which so many of our food, modern foods are grown are deficient in magnesium, selenium, zinc. These are important cofactors. If you go back and listen to the episode with Carolyn Dean, she talked about magnesium as being an important cofactor in, in the calcium balance in the body and also in vitamin D production. Now, when you go onto the government site and you look at, can you boost immune function for COVID-19? And this is a sobering, this is a health.gov.au website. And if you Google, uh, can you improve immune function through um, for COVID-19? It dismisses those vitamins C and uh, D uh, as being just promoted by social influences and actually at high levels being toxic or being urinated out of your body. Um, and, and, it's, and it's odd because actually Michael Gonzalez made a very good point in saying uh, water, you know, when you drink too much water, it gets urinated out of the body too, but that doesn't mean that it's a waste of time to have water. And water-soluble vitamins, if you take too much of them, get eliminated. They don't have to go through the liver for detoxification like pharmaceutical products or other toxins do. They just have to, they will be eliminated. And um, just because when you take too much vitamin C, it's eliminated, doesn't mean you don't need vitamin C. And the recommended daily intake is something like 50 to 90 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And Michael Gonzalez made the point that at least three, uh, 500 to 3 grams a day would be a good thing. Vitamin D is at uh, deficiencies are at pandemic proportions. I mean, you know, there was a study done in 2000, and I think it was 13, which showed that up to 70% of people that are admitted to ICU, intensive care units, were deficient in vitamin D. Vitamin D deficiency is a huge and growing problem. And as Carolyn Dean pointed out to us, it's not just about um, the fact that you didn't get enough sun. If you're deficient in magnesium, you could be out in the sun all day and still be vitamin D deficient because you need magnesium to form um, 
effectively form vitamin D and absorb it and use it. So, so many of these um, supplements are safe, inexpensive, they're logical because we have learnt at undergraduate level that we need them for these biochemical processes. They're available and they're effective. And if our focus was purely on public health, then we would be embracing all of those things. And sadly, it doesn't seem to be. And I have my own theories about why that is so. I think it's obvious that there is big business in disease. This is a topic that I cover in my book. It's a topic that I will be covering with some of my guests coming up soon. I know Professor Ian Brighthope will have a, a very strong view on this, as have some of my other guests more recently. So I just hope you go back and have a listen to some of those episodes. Um, the, the whole uh, idea of oxidative stress and cytokine storms uh, are mentioned, and oxidative stress and cytokine storms uh, what occurs when you um, uh, go through chronic inflammation. That's all part of that whole process. And chronic inflammation, as you've heard, is um, the common denominator in all diseases. So again, the model of health that I'm promoting on this uh, podcast and that I talk about in my book is a balancing act between identifying and minimizing those stressors that have the potential to firstly compromise your immune function and secondly, promote chronic inflammation, oxidative stress, and cytokine storms. So identify and minimize those stresses. And I talk about five stresses, emotional, environmental, postural, nutritional, and dental stress. And on the other hand, build resilience by focusing on the five pillars of health, sleep, breathe, nourish, move, and think. And the whole balancing beam pivots on our own genes and how our genes express themselves which is called epigenetics. That's the model of health we're focusing on in this podcast. That's what I'm exploring in these last few episodes with Carol and Dean, Dr. Richard Cheng, Professor Michael Gonzalez, and Professor Ian Brighthope still to come. I hope this finds you well. Until next time, this is Dr. Ron Ehrlich. Be well. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects content is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or as a substitute for care by a qualified medical practitioner. If you or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult with an appropriately qualified medical practitioner. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions.